And I know that what the enemy means for evil, God is able to turn to good. Amen. We are in a battle. The Bible calls it spiritual warfare. And uh, if you don't think that that is really true, all you got to do is look around. And you can see that the enemy is, he's really running afraid. He's running scared because he knows his time is short. The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone that he can devour. But everybody say, that won't be me. Now, I shared with you last week, uh, started this series called Spiritual Warfare, and uh, the church is commanded to put on spiritual armor every day. I want to welcome all of you to joining us online. And uh, today we have an outline that I would like you to follow along with me in. We're going to open up in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. So if you'll turn there with me, we're going to start in verse 18. And then from there, we're going to uh, look at some other scriptures But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, after we've put on the armor that we looked at last week, he kind of shows us that we've got to do this in order to keep those parts of our warfare armor active. And he said, with all prayer and petition... Pray at all times. Someone say, at all times. In the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Verse 19 says, and pray on my behalf. Everybody say, he's a preacher. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Can I just say to you today, the devil hates what I do. He hates what Paul did. He hates what Peter did. He hates what Jesus did. And if he can keep the word of God from going forth, he's accomplished a lot. So Paul says, please pray for me that utterance may be given. And to make known, listen to this in 2023, with boldness, the mystery of the gospel. And then he says in verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly, As I ought to speak. Everybody say, he ought to do that. We ought to be bold. We should be bold as a lion. You see, the devil only roams about, prowls about like a roaring lion. He's like one, but he isn't one. But the Bible tells us to be one. It says that we, the righteous, are bold 
as a lion. And right here in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, verses 18 through 20, Paul spells out where the battle lines are actually drawn. And the enemy will do anything to keep the gospel message from going forth because this is so. We are told to pray at all times. In the Spirit. Now, I want you to follow along. Letter A shows us that this prayer is to be at all times. Someone say unceasing. Even with the awareness of our adversary and the armor of God, Christians are only capable of standing firm when we are continually in prayer. And that prayer, letter B, is to be done in the Spirit. In the Spirit. In other words, it is not our righteousness. It's not our merits. It's not the things that we have accomplished for God up until now that will uh, result in answered prayers. What it is, it is literally the Spirit of God interceding for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, says this, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Anyone ever feel weak in prayer and you don't know what to do? Watch this. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That means literally your prayer is going to sound like groaning. Too deep for words. You don't know what to pray. Let Him pray through you. You say, well, I've never done that. We'll hang out in your prayer room a little bit longer and it'll happen. Amen? Amen? Now watch this, let her see, this prayer is to be for all the saints. All the saints. Baptists, Charismatics, Pentecostals, non-Pentecostals, Methodists, Presbyterians, Catholics, Lutherans. If you know Jesus and He is the only way to heaven, you're my brother, you're my sister. I don't care what you've got hanging over your door. Amen? Amen? This prayer is to be for all the saints. Since, listen to this, all believers are involved in spiritual conflict. We're on the same team. It shouldn't matter how you baptize somebody. I mean, that shouldn't keep us from talking to one another. Amen? So, uh, we all need the support of other believers in Jesus Christ. What should we pray for? Number one, that we should, be, that we should not be unaware of the devil's schemes. In other words, when you pray for the saints of God, pray for them right now that they will not be unaware of the devil's devices. Secondly, we need to look at this. We need to pray to that we will put on the armor of God so that we can stand firm. Listen, church, if you're not armed with the armor of God, you're a streaking Christian. And you will do nothing in the kingdom of God without the armor of God. You've got to have the belt of truth on. You've got to have the helmet of salvation on. You've got to have the breastplate of righteousness on. You have to have the gospel shoes on your feet. You've got to have the shield of faith. You know, that, that's why so many t- children of God are falling away. They've lost faith in God. Well, God didn't do that. Well, you're, where's your shield, man? Pull up your shield. It'll even keep the flaming missiles away from you. And then you've got to take the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. Now, we've got, we've got, that is an offensive weapon. All those other things are defensive. 
And notice that there is nothing for your back. There's nothing for your back. So you know what that means? That means you don't tuck tail and run. That means you don't turn your back in the midst of the struggle. That means you keep standing. You keep fighting. You keep being what God has called you to be. And sometimes you're going to feel like, man, pastor, I've just been hit with every arrow there is. And if if I take one more arrow, I'm going to go down. Well, I want to tell you this. That's the devil's last arrow. So it's you against him, and if you will just keep standing there and use your shield of faith and go, bring it on. You'll be the one standing. Can I say this, that the ones that are the most bold in their witness are those who are most often on their knees. Now, Paul said, I need you to pray for me. Now, I'm going to talk about this. Pastors, more than ever before, need your prayers. Reports are coming in all around about how discouraged pastors are right now. Since COVID, church attendance has just dive-bombed. Seeing a lot more people online. But I was reading a story about this particular pastor of a church, and they were in a time of needing carpet for the church. And he said, I wasn't feeling especially spiritual this day. He said, I was really just trying to decide what carpet color I like best. But he said, God had other plans for me that afternoon. Because he said, a man by the name of Jerry, he was a, a stout 60-year-old flooring salesman, he said he came into my office to show me some carpet for our church, and uh, we'd never met before. He said, so we just chatted briefly uh, about his business. And he said, after a quick orientation on the material that he had and the pricing options. He said, I, I dove into those big, bulky sample books that they have for carpet, and he uh, had put it on my desk, and he said, I, I think I was considering the virtues of a, a soft geometric pattern when I looked up. He said, I was completely caught by surprise. He said, Jerry's broad shoulders were shuddering. He was red in the face. And he was trying very hard to hold back his tears. And the pastor looked at him and he said, Jerry, are you, are you okay? He kind of felt a little awkward. And Jerry said, you know, I'm sorry. He said, it's just, this is hard for me. He said, I used to be a pastor, just like you. Coming back to a church setting like this, he said, it's like, it's real difficult. So the pastor said, well, Jerry, what happened? And he said, the constant pressure in our church on top of the painful physical attacks that my wife was having, it almost ate me up emotionally. And he said, he, said, I became a, he said, I became a nervous wreck. 
He said, I got to the place that I knew if that phone rang just one more time, I'd lose it. So my wife and I packed up and walked away after 30 years of ministry. He said, it tore us up. We still love God. We, 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 we love working for God, but we were tired of the constant battles. And his voice just, he said, kind of trailed off. His head tilted down and his hands covered his eyes in shame. And before he said, before I knew it, he said, I was on my knees beside this broken man and he was gripping my hand and I was praying for him that the Lord would restore his wounded spirit and heal his broken heart. And Jerry, he's not alone. Because in fact, nearly everywhere I hear, whether it's a small church or a large church, pastors are hurting. There seems to be a a wave of trouble that uh, has been unleashed against the church as a whole. And how many of you remember Jesus' words saying that if if you strike down the shepherd, the sheep will scatter? So the devil knows what he's doing. And uh, in this hour and in this time, God is showing us that, in fact, just that verse that I just quoted to you is found in the book of Mark chapter 14. I think we have it up here. It says that if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. He was telling them what was going to happen to them after he was taken. And they all did fall away for a while. But for that reason, I think we need to understand and we need to learn. I want to take some time in this spiritual warfare teaching that we will, as God's people, protect our spiritual leaders, those who are over us in the spirit realm. That we'll pray for our churches, that we'll pray for our minister all over America. We need this all over the world because I don't know that we fully understand the impact that can be made when you pray for those in the Spirit that lead us. Now, it is no secret that pastors and other spiritual leaders live with continual pressure. Leaders have actually tougher paths to walk than those who follow behind. I remember one time going through... uh, a season wasn't in this church, it was a different church, and I was pastoring, and I'd made a decision, but I made a decision because I had a lot more information than the church had. But I cannot tell you how many people were mad at me because I weren't, was not making the decision they felt I should make. Literally to the point where a person came and said, we're done, we're not going to be here anymore, we're done with the church and we're going to leave, it was then at that time I could reveal what I knew. And once I revealed what I knew and why I did what I did and what I stood for what I stood, is that, oh, well, I didn't know that. And I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of things you don't know. That's why God says he wants us to follow, trust, And I'd never led them in any bad direction before. And relationship was hindered. Relationship was hurt. The harvest fields today that we work in are often booby-trapped 
with spiritual and emotional landmines hidden there by the enemy. He tried to do it with the de- with, the devil tried to do it with Jesus everywhere he went. He even went through the religious leaders to try to get to him. He went through his own people to try to get to him, the Jews. He even went through his own disciples, Judas, to get to him. Some other troubling numbers about pastors that I read is that, listen to this, this is, blows my mind, 97% of pastors say they were inadequately trained for the challenges they face. I'm one of them, but I didn't know it was that big. You see, Bible college gives you some ground things to deal with, but it doesn't tell you how to deal with, with the, 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 the crying parent of some child that is 2,000 miles across the country that just left and took off. 80% say that pastoral ministry has had a negative effect on their children. 70% say they constantly fight depression. 70% feel underpaid. 71% say they're in financial trouble. 65% have thought of quitting the ministry within the last 30 days. Let me say that again, 65%. That means if you lined up 100 pastors, 65 of them would want to not be doing what they're doing anymore. And 70% say they do not have someone they consider a close friend. And if these figures are correct, we have a crisis on our hands. It can be fixed with prayer. Now, I told you that this message was going to have four parts, and last week I walked you through education and preparation. Today I'm walking you through activation and participation. We're on the activation part. What is our activity in warfare? We've got to pray. You see, we can put on all the armor, but if we're not active in prayer, the armor's not going to do us any good. We've got to stay in prayer. Amen? That's what Jesus was doing in the wilderness when the devil came to him and began to tempt him. He was praying. And he was in the Word. And he used the Word. He used the weapons of warfare. But there was a time in, in his ministry, if you will remember, at the very end, when he really needed his friends, they began to sleep. I call them the drowsy disciples. And in the midst of this enemy advance, church, we have got to say in the last days here in 2023, where have all the watchmen gone? You see, the honest truth is that many and too many in the kingdom of God are dozing. Like the disciples who slept while Jesus faced the most difficult hours too often, too often the people of God And I'm not saying everybody, so if the boot doesn't fit, don't put it on. But if it does, wear it and try to get doing what God says to do. And that is is that that too often in regard to seeing victory, it's it's because there's not a corporate effort. You see, it's it's a lot like what I you know, next week I think is the Super Bowl, isn't that that right? Um, what what we're gonna see if you watch the Super Bowl is you're gonna see twenty two men on the field, desperately in need of rest. And you're going to see 65,000, whatever the stadium holds out there, watching from the stands, 
desperately in need of exercise. 22 men on the field doing the work and 65,000 in the stands telling them how to do it. Oh, come on, throw the ball. Why are we always running? Armchair quarterback. Oh, come on, run the ball. Why are we always throwing it? Man, just get him out. If I was there, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll win. Man, you're 50 pounds overweight. You need to go in the gym. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hey, now, don't preach me. Don't, don't amen me because I'm preaching right. You know that's what we're going to see, people that need exercise. Amen? Spiritual warfare specialist if I could call him this. His name is Ed Murphy. And he tells a shocking story of a conversation that he had on an airplane with an occult leader. And I shared it to you last week. Do you remember it? And this occult leader looked like he was mouthing words, looking at notes. And as Ed talked to him, he found out he was doing some business in the spirit realm. And that was to pray for the downfall of pastors. And he was like, hey, that's me. I'm one of those. Am I on your list? Not my list. But I want you to know that what we're seeing and what we're experiencing is all too often... The enemy is doing against the church what the church is told to do against the enemy. And so, one significant pastor suffered a massive heart attack and then a stroke from ministry pressure, and shortly afterwards, over a hundred families left his big church. You know the reason why they left? It's because they've made it very clear that they felt like this pastor's faith was not strong enough. If he had been a true man of God, then these things would never have happened. Church, we've got to figure out whose side are we on. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 26. Now, this is David when Saul the king is chasing him, wanting to kill him because he knows he's going to ultimately be king. And David crossed over, the Bible says, to the other side, and he stood on top of a mountain at a distance with a large area between them, his people and Saul and his army. And David called to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner. Now, Abner was the protector of Saul, or was supposed to be. And he said, will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner replied, who are you who calls to the king? So David said to Abner, are you not a man? Who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your lord the king? Because I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret. I sent somebody over to you, and one of the people I sent came to destroy the king, your lord. And you were sleeping. Now watch this. Here's what happened. 
Saul's commanders were sleeping when they should have been shielding. And an enemy was able to slink in by cover of night and could have taken him out, but David didn't let him. We've got to avoid being drowsy disciples in 2023. If our churches and our ministries are going to advance, the people of God have to be prayer warriors. So here we see there is a command to cover. So I want to go into the, I'm, I'm now into the participation. So what does it mean to, to participate in spiritual warfare? Well, we've got to assist. Our activity in warfare is prayer, but our assistance in warfare is to cover. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Scripture commands us to cover our spiritual leaders with protective prayers. Look at this. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Now, how, how often are we supposed to do that? At all times, unceasingly, in the Spirit. Pray for all. For kings, all who are in authority, listen, I'm not trying to be political, but church, listen to me. Whether you agree with the leader of the United States of America, cursing him is not going to fix it. How about you try prayer? How about the church of God tries prayer? God can do better than we can do. We've got to begin to pray for kings and all who are in authority. Remember, Saul was trying to kill David, but you know David kept on praying for Saul? And every time he had the opportunity to kill him and take him out, he never did it. In fact, his conscience was so bothered one time when, when Saul went into a cave where David was hiding, he took his sword and he cut off a little bit of his robe. He could have, he could have killed him. And do you know what? The Holy Spirit was, he was so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he was convicted by cutting his robe. He said, I could have taken your life today, but here's your robe. I didn't. That's how close I was to you. And he began to pray, for all kings and all who are in authority, why would we want to do that? So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity? And then it says this, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. In verse 4, who desires all men to be saved. Can I just stop there, church? Everybody, he desires all men to be saved. Those who seem like they're your enemies, he wants them saved. And to come to the knowledge, here's the problem. They're not, they don't have the knowledge of the truth. And they need the knowledge of the truth. So that's what we got to begin to pray. So this is going to require a high level of sensitivity in us as God's people as to the difficult nature of Christian leadership. Watch this in 1, Timothy, or 1 Thessalonians 5.13. But we request of you, brethren that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you and the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Do you all do do believe Jesus dealt with uh, anybody around him that were not in peace with one another? It was the 12 guys following him, right? Peter and Andrew, 
James and John, they were they were work they worked together. But they knew one another so well that they were in competition with one another. James and John, Jesus, he nicknamed them the sons of thunder. They wanted to call fire down, just take them out. How many want to do it? Just take them out. Lord, just take them out. Our problem be done, just take them out. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you don't even know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to destroy, I came to save. How many think God maybe want our enemies saved? How many think that might be a better victory? You see, the people who, who, who respond to this call to uh, participate and assist in warfare, what happens is they, they, there's an enormous role they play in the kingdom of God. Do you know that people that are on their knees in prayer are going to get the same rewards of those who go off into the mission field and get people saved? Guess what? They're going to get, they're going to get the reward too because they prayed over them. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've read where, where, where missionaries have literally said they were in the throes of death and they come to find out that the churches back home were praying for them. In our own church, we are blessed with devoted intercessors that make it their aim to cover the pastor. And every time they gather for prayer, often fasting, sometimes for days, and then they surround us physically, they pray, pray, on, pray, pray over us for our needs, and on occasion, they may drop an email or they may drop a text filled with loving and sensitive insight birthed through their hours of prayer. And that kind of support, church, is invaluable to a leader. Because somehow, some way in the spirit realm, it empowers us to do what God has called us to do without endless demonic hindrances. Can you say Amen. And emotionally, I cannot tell you how it makes me feel to know that my marriage and my family and my ministry and my personal life are shielded with daily prayer by faithful intercessors who have responded to the command to cover. And that's why we're going to take these cards from you and go pray for you this week. So we're called to cover. It's going to require an understanding of the difficulty that Christian leaders are under. And let her see with prayer, everyone wins big. Let's look at this in Exodus chapter 17. Leaders are not the only ones who benefit from this type of prayer because when leaders are properly undergirded, the entire congregation prevails in battle. Here's a perfect example. This is the defining story of Aaron and her. And they show it shows them supporting Moses' hands as Israel is fighting against the enemy called the Amalekites. And it's an unmistakable truth that Israel was victorious precisely because they were supporting divinely appointed leadership. Look at this in Exodus 17, verse 10. Joshua did as Moses told him as he sent Joshua out and the armies of Israel went out and fought against Amalek. 
The Bible says that Moses, Aaron, and Hur, kind of like the generals, went up to the mountain on top of the hill and would watch as the fighting began. And the Bible goes on and says, So it came about that when Moses held his hands up, that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. And so the Bible goes on and says, Moses' hands became tired. They became heavy. And so they, would, took, a, they took a stone and they put it under him so he could sat on, sit on it. And as he sat on that, he could get some relief from his legs. And then Aaron, his brother, and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steadied till the sunset. And as Moses' hands were lifted, the entire nation, the Bible says, they moved forward toward victory, but when they left, let his hands fall, their battle automatically turned against them. And this principal church is so significant that after that victory, you know what God did? God revealed himself in a new name. God revealed himself to all of the children of Israel in a brand new name. It's one of them I've taught you. Jehovah Nisi. He became the Lord our victory, the Lord our banner, and he instructed Israel never to forget what happened that day. And I am convinced, church, that we're going to see right now in the future as the children of God begin to put this into action and begin to participate in active spiritual warfare, we are going to see the advancement of the gospel like never before. We're going to see reconciliation. We're going to see uh, miracles of healing. How many of you know we need to see that? We need to see personal breakthroughs like we've never seen before as we learn the secret of supporting those whom God has placed over us. But that's just the beginning of what God can do when we walk in that truth. You see, the real payoff comes as we look at things on a more strategic level. Now, let me show you this. I've ended this with letter D, and it's opening the gates of the city. Now, I've already read to you 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. But let's look at 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. Watch this. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Why do I want to do that? So that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. You see, there is a powerful link between intercessory prayer and the advancement of the gospel. There is an element in God's word found in the Old Testament, and it says that if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Now, hold on a minute. That's not good math. If one can put a thousand to flight, then two ought to put 2,000 to flight. Yeah, but listen, in the kingdom, God does math different. He says, if two of you, now you can't get much less than two. 
We all know that less than two is one. But he said, if only two of you will agree as to touching God about anything in the will of God that you will agree on, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. If, if only two of you will truly get into agreeing prayer and you'll get on the same page, power will happen. So if one can put a 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, then three would put 100,000 to flight if we're going to keep on multiplying the way God does. Boom. How many towns are bigger than 100,000? It only takes three. How many would four do? Well, if one puts 1,000 to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight, three would put 100,000 to flight, then four would put a million to flight. In my estimation of what this math works, they say, well, now, Pastor, I don't think that that's the way the Lord wants us to do that. I do. I, I think if one can put 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, then we ought to just be able to keep on going. Amen. And you see, what happens is, is cities and nations can be taken. I'm going to say it again. Cities and nations can be taken when we support in prayer, those were called to pray for. Take a look at what's happening in the United States over the last few years. After a painful division between Republicans and Democrats and a deeply divided presidential election of 2020, we're vulnerable as a nation. The devil knows it. Our enemies know it. Flying balloons over us. And in the midst of this national schism, the terrorists striking us, that's what happened in 2000. You know, there was a, there was a divisive election then. You remember? They had to recount in Florida. What happened on 9-11, 2001? You see, when, when you're divided, you fall. We cannot forget that when the early church prayed for the Apostle Peter in a time of crisis, city revival was released. Think about the story of his imprisonment in Acts chapter 12. Not only is Peter imprisoned in the midst of a very huge persecution against the church, but the enemy had positioned four squads of soldiers to bind him personally. Surely this is a prophetic glimpse over the overwhelming resistance that key leaders face in our world today. But Scripture says that constant prayer was being made for him by the church for his release. And after a glorious visitation by angels and a dramatic jailbreak, in answer to a nonstop prayer storm, something incredible happened that we, we cannot miss. Peter was led to the iron gate of the city. And you know what that iron gate did? 
opened of its own accord. That wasn't a real good sound effect, but that's what happened. Acts chapter 12, verse 10. You say, Pastor, so what does that mean? Well, I believe it is a compelling picture of how intercession for leaders will lead to even the most stubborn gateways opening up in the city. And church, listen, it, can, I, can I say this? From what I gather from Scripture, it wasn't even that faith-filled prayer. He said, well, why would you say that? Because he's standing outside of the house where they've gathered to pray. And there's a servant girl that goes outside, and they're like, he's like, hey, he's standing outside the gate. And she's like, Peter, is that you? He's like, yeah. An angel oh, opened a prison for me, and I'm here because of y'all's prayers. And you know what she does? She goes inside to these intercessing believers in Jesus that are praying for their pastor, Peter, and she comes in and says, hey, Peter, God's answered our prayer. Peter is outside at the gate. And they're like, go on with yourself. What are you, you're crazy, girl. We're in here praying for Peter, and you're out there playing games. What in the world is going on with you? She's like, no, no, really, he's out there. They weren't really even praying in good faith, I think. I mean, wouldn't they have thought, hey, let's all go out and see this thing. I got to put the caboose on it, but I'm having fun preaching. This is what I was born to do. Some time ago, there was a pastor friend who went through a season of complete frustration and discouragement. People were quitting. Money was drying up. Times were hard. He secretly decided he was going to call it quits. He was going to resign, and he was just going to go back into business. Got out of the plans. His staff was alert, and his intercessors were praying. And on three separate occasions, this pastor determined to announce his resignation on a Sunday. And every time he did, something happened to interrupt his plan, and he was forced to delay the announcement. And church, you know what? He was never able to resign. Looking back on that time, what happened is, is he, re- he knows that it was the prayers of the saints that held him in place. And today, the discouragement is gone. He's once again strong in the Lord, and as a result, his church is growing. They purchase new property for the future, and the people are walking in blessing. And over the years, church, I have met a lot of wonderful Christian leaders that are working hard to build churches and take their cities for Jesus. Many are succeeding, but I will never forget the look of desperation in the eyes of a pastor who said, I just can't go on anymore. Back to our first story. I really wonder what would have happened to that 
former pastor, current carpet salesman. If he had just had some prayer warriors around him, I just wonder, would he still be in ministry today? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that it is time for each and every one of us to embrace the call to pray and to assist in warfare. For our spiritual leaders to be released from the prisons the devil's holding them under. Because as we do, you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen to Phoenix? Gates of the city are going to open. Gates of the city are going to open. And you know, I was just having an earlier conversation. What do we do about those who, man, they don't even know God. They don't even believe there is a God. Well, Jesus said, you know what? If you don't believe me for what I said, believe me for what I do. If, if, if you don't believe the words I spoke, then believe because of the deeds I did. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lame walk. Listen, church, his own cousin was in that place. Do you know that John the Baptist got to that place? Where he was like, he only he knew Jesus was the Son of God. He knew he was the Lamb of God. He was there baptizing him in the Jordan when the word of God came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. They heard God the Father speak. They saw the Holy Spirit come on Jesus. He knew he was the Lamb of God. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But when he's in prison, he's discouraged, he's depressed, he's all those things. He sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus and he says, are you the one? And Jesus sends his disciples back, and he says, you go tell John. The dead live again. The blind see. The lame walk. The deaf hear. So the person who doesn't know God, it's our responsibility to be so close to God, to be able to do the works that Jesus said we will be able to do, what would happen if a person in the world that doesn't believe in God, that doesn't believe that God knows anything about them, the Holy Spirit began to work through you with a word of knowledge? And all of a sudden, God began to show you their life and show you what they're going through, and you just simply said, you know what? The Lord just showed me this, that you are going through, and then you just reveal it. And you lay it out just exactly what they're living. And they would go, how do you know that? You'd say, I don't know that. He knew that. Do you think you'd have an audience then? I'm telling you, church, the answer for this world today is the power of God. And the closer we get to God, the more of his power is going to flow through us. You say, well, pastor, how do I get more of God? Just hang out more with him. How am I going to be more like Jesus? Spend more time to figure out who he is. Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in the word. Don't hold back anything. 
Oh, it can happen. If the church of Jesus will just do what we're called to do. Amen. I know I've gone a little long today. Um, this thing probably going to be 50 minutes, 60 minutes when I put that, you know, message up next tomorrow. But, you know, I, that's fine. Whatever it takes. Because this is the key. Right now, we're in spiritual warfare. Now, next week, Valentine's Day is going to hit on Tuesday. We're going to meet together on, that's the 14th, on Sunday the 12th. You know what? Guess what we're going to talk about? But not like what you think. Because the Bible says this, and we read it today in Discipleship Hour. Y'all know the Ten Commandments, right? Did y'all know that Jesus gave us an 11th? He said, a new commandment, John 14, I give to you. He called it that. It's a new commandment. And that is that you love one another. And that word, love, is the thing we're going to figure out. What exactly does that mean? What did Jesus actually mean by love? I, mean, do you, I love my wife, but I also love pepperoni pizza. No, it's different. Amen? How many are going to be here next week? We're going to learn about love. Amen? Because that's what makes faith doesn't work without love. Your armor won't work without love. I'm going to get into that message. I'm going to be done. Okay. Love you guys. Bow with me in prayer. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, help us as we go forth in this world to do the work that you called us to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we cannot do it ourselves, and Lord, we cannot do it with an empty tank. We need the spiritual armor of God, and we need the fire of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And Lord, I pray that we would be so linked with you that we know what you're doing, we hear what you're saying, we go where you call us to go, because we know that you go before us and prepare the way. Help us, Lord, to reach out in prayer for our leaders. Lord Jesus, I pray for kings, for those who lead us in all aspects, for spiritual leaders, Lord, those who are over us in the spirit realm as well. And Father, let us see breakthroughs in our city and the gates open. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. So we ask, Lord, as we just sit and, and sing here together, kind of as a family, that you would that you would stir our affection for your son, Jesus, tonight. I thank you so much for doing that and so many, God, but I ask for more tonight.